0: Look, um, I really do want to preach this. Uh, on a night of power, sometimes I might not preach a lot, and we might just continue to, to pray for the sick and, and move in, in the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what, though? Here tonight, I do not, I do not particularly feel like traveling down the line. And there could be, there'll be you know, we can think, think about healing and getting set free a little later on. But this is what I definitely feel. Uh, I am in more in discipling mode uh, in a church like this than in maybe another church which might have a lot of broken down people in it and uh, needing a lot of help. Uh, but this church definitely doesn't position itself like a hospital. Uh, a hospital is, a, is an annex on, on the side of a may, the main event here is maximizing people's potential this is a this is a, a human development center of the highest kind. This is a disciple making center, and uh, I have found that you, that when you're making disciples you you don't really get too much involved in trying to minister to the needs of the people because as they live the life of a disciple, they actually find that those needs get met. Did you hear me that that is that is the best way that you can actually. Lead people into their healing, or lead people into their deliverance, so that so that the deliverance is not the main focus. So when I think I think healing the sick, delivering people, and setting them free should happen at the beginning of their Christian life. Uh, it, it and that's how Jesus actually brings people into the kingdom. He meets their need, and that and and then once their problem is solved, they say, "I'll follow you." But you don't find him after then doing that so much. You don't read of one moment of when he healed Peter, or he rebuked him a lot, uh, and chided the disciples. He got into them, and that's disciple making. And you've got to be up for that. Uh, you, you know, not 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 just not just not just you know that's not the only thing he did. I I believe that he sometimes encouraged them. But it's not, there's not a lot of recording of that. Amen. He really generally just shaped them up, tweaked them, built them, molded them so that they would become really strong believers. And I have found that there are times now, I've been following Jesus for 52 years. He doesn't help me much at all these days. No, He doesn't. He doesn't have to. He has empowered me to get the victory myself. Well, why would He come and do what He has empowered me to do? But when you first start experiencing that, you really feel like He's, he's bailed on you. Okay, so th- there's a story where Jesus gets in a boat and He says, let's go to the other side. And all of a sudden, yeah, let's do it. So they're rowing and off they go. And then a storm comes along, Right? Has anybody in this room ever experienced that when you've done what Jesus told you to do, that a storm comes along? Anybody ever? Yeah, okay. Pretty well 100% of the time. If you haven't got storms, I doubt you're doing the will of God. You know, it's like, everything's just gorgeous and beautiful. And as soon as they're in the, off they go, a storm comes and... It is overwhelming their boat. Like that. they're saying, hey, our business is going down, Jesus. Our family life is going down. Our ship is full of water and we are drowning. And, and they're crying out to God. And they can't even find him. What's all this? I'll be with you in the trouble. I'll be there in the fire, you know. What's all this stuff? You know, I'm I'm a very present help in need. You know, I thought I thought you're going to be around when I'm in trouble. What are you doing, Jesus? You know, like I heard the preacher last week. He said he's a very present help in time of need. Well, where are you? I'm dying here. I'm drowning. Call the intercessors. Can you wake him up? It seems like God's gone to sleep, and he has. He's asleep. What the? You're asleep. I'm your beloved child, the apple of your eye. Where are you? (laughs) They told me Jesus loves me. This I know. I'm not so sure, Jesus. Here you are asleep. We are perishing. And this is what the disciples literally said to Jesus Don't you care? We are perishing. You see, so when you don't exercise your faith or get your act together and start to live like a disciple, you're going to doubt the love of God. And you wondered when I said he doesn't help me much whether I really thought he loved me. Of course he loves me. That's why he leaves me to get to the victory, to be an overcomer. I got all the tools. I got weapons that are way more powerful than anything this world's got to pull down strongholds. If I go, God, 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 why don't you help me? He says, Grow up. No, oh, that's a hard way to talk to a victim. Well, you're not a victim, you're a victim. Oh, I don't feel like a victim. I'm all in victim status mindset right now. I know I've been following you for 40 years, but one day, God, could you just help? Just help yourself. It may be a sign that God loves you more by what He doesn't do than what He does. Oh, golly, this is a bad message. Why did I come here tonight? This is... But I really want to preach it because I wrote a book called Disciple recently and it stirred me up to, to not leave Christians as babies. Oh, Lord God, if Josh here, Josh, you love Josh. Josh, is a, he's a great guy, right? But if Josh walked in here tonight with a pair of nappies on, you'd say, that's that's a little bit off, you know? He goes, pastor, pastor, I've done a mess. I made a mess. Sorry, Josh, it's it's not a good image to give the people, right? I should've picked on Jay, shouldn't I? I Jay, Jay, if Jay came in here, Parent, you'd go like, something's wrong there. But how many times as I as a pastor have had adults come and, but uh, I made a mess. Can you clean me up? Oh, I can't. The Bible says, look, let anyone who is suffering, let them pray. Why are we coming to the pastor and saying, could you pray for me, pray for me, I'm in trouble. The Bible is saying, you pray. The reason you have a problem is God's trying to get your attention. He's he's knocking. I'm knocking on the door, he says. And when you're getting knocks in your life, they're from the Lord. You said God only does positive things. Oh, I'm so sorry he doesn't. No, there are some very bad things that God lets happen in your life so that you actually become an overcomer. And that's what you are. You're sitting here tonight as an overcomer with enormous potential in your life. And so, as you understand that the Holy Spirit has been given to you, all you got to do is activate that power that created the entire flipping universe, people. An eternal, everlasting more planets in the universe than there are grains of sand on the beaches of all the world. Hard to comprehend, but it's true. That same God, that same Spirit is on the inside of you. And we trigger His release with the confession of our mouth and with believing God. When you start to believe, you trigger the greatest power in the universe, which is inside you tonight, called the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus said to these disciples, he took them through lesson after lesson. Like the lesson on the boat, don't you care? How many times have you said that to God? I'm guilty. Don't you care? He said, grow up. I said, That's tough talk. He says, yeah, it'll help you grow up. Take it on the chin. How many boys do you see in adult men's bodies still throwing tantrums and sulking? Refusing responsibility. Oh, this is such a tough message tonight. Isn't it? Why did I come to church tonight? Golly. I want my money back, for goodness sake. <laughs> I wanted something that was just cotton and candy and spoon feeding and diaper changing. No, this is not that church. If you want that church, we can we can advise you. We can give you directions. You know, the point is. Here you're going to maximize your potential. You're not in some fluffy movement that's just going to make you feel good and help you get all the things you want, which we can never do anyway. And any preacher is promising you that, is telling you a bunch of lies. This gospel costs. Following Jesus is paying a price. And, and you will, the best thing you can do is, is, is pay a price instead of thinking that it's all cheap and easy following Jesus. This hyper grace message has made it just ridiculous. Feeling like you can live like the devil and get away with anything. You can't. I've made mistakes in my life. I confess them. come to Jesus and, and trust in the blood of Christ to wash me clean. And he'd stand on that in immense victory because I would dishonor him more by not accepting his forgiveness and cleansing in any of those times and walk him around as though I was still guilty. Why did he die then? There's pointless. You, you've got to stop being guilty, friend. You've got to stop doubting that the love of God has forgiven you, justified you, and set you free. It doesn't please God. It doesn't honor the sacrifice. Jesus died to rub it out, to take away all your guilt. And You might say, oh, you don't know what I did. I don't care. It's no match for the blood of Jesus. Oh, I love saying that. Your sin, no matter how grave it is, It's no match for that blood. It is the most powerful blood, the most powerful force in the entire universe. And the atomic particles of Jesus' blood are still on Mount Calvary in Jerusalem. crying out for mercy. And that's on a frequency you can't hear. But there are all sorts of sounds that you can't hear. Your ear isn't attuned to it, but God can hear the blood of Jesus. Crying better things than that of Abel. Which cried out for judgment on Cain. God, can he have mercy? Have mercy on all the souls on planet Earth. So, people, amen. Man, I love this message. I'm taking notes, you know. (laughs) Sorry, Josh, again, you know, forgive me, mate. Yeah, it'll take a while, I understand, you know, you can work through it. Jay, I'm not sorry. You you deserved it. (laughs) Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This could be a life-changing night for some of you. Already I've changed your perception of God. He's not there as giant Santa Claus in the sky or some fairy that we sing beautiful songs to and he waves wands and, woo, we have magical things happen. He doesn't do that at all. Miracles are not really that life-developing. I've, I've seen a lot of miracles, a lot of miracles, and I see a lot of Christians chasing them. I don't know why. They might fix some people up sometimes. I saw a blind guy get his sight back. No, he didn't follow Jesus at all. And I saw a lot of people who have seen miracles, and it doesn't give them any faith at all. Faith doesn't come from seeing miracles. The Israelites saw more miracles than you and I will ever see in any of our lifetime. They even walked through a sea that got split, looking at dolphins, you know, <laughs> big gray whites and schools of barracuda. All. Couldn't figure out how the water did that, but anyway, they just, and they go high, huge aquarium. And three million people walk across, they saw it. But when it came to Jericho, oh, no, God couldn't do that. He might be able to bring bread out of heaven, water out of a rock, split a seed, destroy a nation. No, we can't take on these giants. They saw so many miracles, but they refused to believe. Believing is a choice you make, even when you haven't seen a miracle. You choose tonight, I'm going to believe that God is going to move in my life in my family's life, and you talk like it, think like it, and start to act like it, and you trigger the release of the mighty power of this person in here tonight, the Holy Spirit. He's in here. He lives in an expectation and in an environment, an atmosphere of faith. You fill your house with faith, the Holy Spirit will live there. You fill it with doubt, and the devil will live there. You complain, you release the destroyer. You give thanks, you release the life giver, the Holy Spirit. That's how it works. Acts 1 verse 8 says, but, God, I need five hours here tonight. No? Really? Oh, no, he'd be okay. John would be all right. No, God, I obey the pastor. Okay. Thank you, Jesus. But, oh, I love the Bible. Don't you love the Bible? It's, there's so many incredible things in the Bible. Oh, this is the first scripture I've done tonight. I've got 25 of them. This is the first one, and, I've, and I can't get past the first word. But, but, of all the buts you need, and some of you need a butectomy, because you've got too much butt in your life. You're too difficult to get along with. You go, yeah, but, you're the yeah, but guy. Do, has anybody ever told you you're hard work? Oh, isn't that bad when, when you find a person who's a year but person? Oh, I, I sigh on the inside. say, yeah, oh, I'll give this two minutes and I'm off. Uh, generally, I don't make the two minutes. Yeah, but, you got yeah, but, really beautiful weather up here. Yeah, but, I love the Sunshine Coast, yeah, but. Don't be a disagreeable nincompoop. Stop it. Get rid of that butt. But there is a butt you need God's butt. You need that butt in your life, people. Amen. (laughs) Kind of rude, I know. But anyway, he likes it. He's a real fun God. And the fact is, and it's a big butt. Yeah. So, So it's like, But, whatever you got going on in your life tonight, here's the but. Don't forget the God factor. Somebody I know wrote a book called But God. Very, very good book. If you go to philpringle.com website, you'll find it. Amen. (laughs) But, I had a thing happen when I was a kid. But, you shall receive power. Oh, you don't know what's going on in my life, right? But. You shall receive power. Yeah, but, you know, the finances and the cost of living so high these days. I don't know how I'm going to feel, but you shall receive power. What are you going to go with? Whose report are you going to believe? The 6 o'clock news? The Financial Times? Or this? But you shall receive power. After that, the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word power is dunamis, not exousia. Exousia is authority. Both are pretty darn good. Jesus said you'll get the power when you receive me. That's authority. So that's like if I go out on your main highway here in these clothes and I go to the big 18-wheeler Mack truck, I'm just a spot of grease. You know, it's like... But I go out there in one of your police officers' uniform and have a police car by there. They go like this. They'll put on the brakes. I got authority. I got the whole Queensland government backing me up. Maybe the federal government. You know, the whole government of Australia is backing me up. When you stand in your authority in Christ Jesus, you can stop any demon. You can stop any sickness. You can stop any force. You have authority. Not in your authority, in His name. That's what it means. I've got authority in his name. But that's not what this is talking about. <laughs> Excuse me. This is talking about energy. You know the word dynamite? That's where this word comes from. Dynamis. Dynamite. Dynamo. You know the thing on, on the... Oh, no, you don't have them these days. That in the olden days. We used to have dynamos on bikes. And it generate power and go to your light bulb so you could see where you're going at night because we didn't have streetlights. This is when dinosaurs roamed the earth, people. It's old. It's old days. It's when I was born, you know, when I was a kid. <sighs> so he says, you're going to get energy. How good is this? How many people do you hear today? He said, oh, I'm so tired. I'm burning out. I'm crushing. <laughs> I've been there too. Busted and burn out. But I tell you, If I just go away and wait in the presence of the Lord, trickle charge gets me going again. Sometimes people think if I go and get wrecked on Keppel Island or if I go and have a a crazy holiday on a big cruise all around the world, I'm going to come back refreshed. You're going to come back destroyed. Worse than, than when you went. Wait on the Holy Spirit. Don't be looking to a natural answer for a spiritual problem. Having started in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? It's called the Galatian problem. We started with the power of God, and now we've got five steps to greatness or 21 steps to this and that. You don't fulfill the call of God by a set of rules. You fulfill it by the same power that got you going in the first place, the Holy Spirit. And He's an awesome. He's a person. He's here in his room tonight. I don't know how he does it. It's a thing called omnipresent. He can be here and at somebody else's church. Not all the churches, but some, amen. (laughs) He's not welcome in some of them. They've they've made bored decisions. No Holy Spirit around here. So he doesn't go. But Because you've said, yes, you can come here, Holy Spirit. You, You will be a people who get power every time you come here. Your youth will be Renewed. That's what happens to me all the time. People say, I, "I like," I say, "Tell people how old I am," and they go, "Like, no." You go, "Yeah, I'm 83." <laughs> right? No, no, I'm 71. But the the deal is, apart from all the nipping and tucking, it is the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I need a bit of work. Get rid of this thing. Amen, Jesus. (laughs) But you shall receive power, dunamis, energy. You'll be like a stick of dynamite, just ready to blow up anything. Dull Christians, you can't put those two words together. It's not a reality. If you're dull, you're not being a believer. You're meant to be the sunshine in people's life. Oh, I'm on the sunshine coast. You're meant to be the sunshine in people's lives. When you walk in the room, it's like, whoa, they're getting a tan. They, they get out the, the suntan, 50 plus, because put their sunglasses on. My God, girl. Calm down the glow, you know, whatever it is. Moses, they had to do that with him. He came out glowing. Everybody's getting too much of a tan. He said, stop it. So he put a veil on. Jesus, when he was transfigured, he glowed. You will receive power after that the Holy Spirit. I love this. The power is not the Spirit. The Spirit gives you power. He energizes you, but the Spirit himself is a person. Power is objective. It's not subjective. Power is arbitrary. Spirit is a person, it's personal. So you can't have, can have a relationship with power, but you can have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. The power comes out of your communion with the Holy Spirit. So I prayed this afternoon, but after a while, I'm thinking, I'm just going to sit here for a while. and oh, My flesh gets itchy to do something. Check the phone. Do this, do that. Ooh. But I just calm it all down. I sit there and I think, oh, this is awesome. And then you get lost in that, in the power, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Some of you have never done this, or you did it once or twice, but it just escapes you. To spend time in the presence of the Holy Spirit, not just a church, is a quest you should have because you get to communion. You get to commune with the Holy Spirit. You get to actually be in a relationship with the the person who's God on earth right now. Jesus is not here. He's gone. He ascended last week on Monday. Actually, he ascends in a few days' time. He's going to show himself alive to a whole lot of people since Easter all the way up to Pentecost. Turned up at all kinds of places in his new body. How good is that? He said, this is the new model, people. There's a new unit waiting for you. You should put your order in. How tall? You know what kind of nose? The new body—that's <clears throat> what the resurrection's about. I know we all like to talk spiritual stuff, but it's actually about the body. Your body is important to God. Don't write it off as some irrelevant thing. No, no, it's awesome. He's going to—he's going to get it up out of the grave. That's how important it is. He loves your body. He loves—he loves your spirit. Loves your soul. Loves your whole lot. But it's going to come out a new body. Like Jesus one, and he is the first fruits. It, it says in one Corinthians fifteen, Christ rose first, the first fruits, which means the first model. And he says that everybody who's in him is going to get similar body, so that body can lift up, glow. It glows. It's powered. I don't think this is my personal little heresy. It's powered by light, not by blood. It's not really a heresy, but you know, it's like because that's eternal, and doesn't need food. But apparently you can eat food if you want. Because Jesus, I mean, he turns up to the disciples, right? He's risen from the dead. He's walking around Jerusalem, got a little hungry, went to the disciples, said, hi, boys. Got anything to eat? He's always hungry. Like every time he turns up with the disciples, he's got anything to eat? He rose from the dead. He's on the beach. Hey, boys, caught anything? (laughs) Right? Right? He says, hey, let's. I want to give you three chapters of John, deepest teaching you can have, but please, will you order a pizza so that we can eat while we talk? And Last Supper, three chapters of incredible teaching. When he comes back, we're all going to get voop, up. I read somebody the other day saying it could be this week. I hope you're ready, people. They've, they've done all the calculations. I've been, I've been long, Christian long enough to know that. None of these calculators, but they kind of a good. It's good to give one every now and then. Could be this week. We're all just gone. Well, maybe not all of us. I would hope all of us. But it's like there's a there's, there's, there's a big magnet that just, and if you got the right kind of metal in here, zoom, go. Can't stop it. Jesus met the guys, and he said. Got some food. Yeah, they said we got crispy skin barramundi. Of course, it was they're Australian boys. And yeah, mate, come on in. And uh, and Jesus sits down, he eats he eats the barramundi people, and and then he left. It says he left, so he walked out through the wall. And probably the barramundis just slid down the wall. I don't know how he. How he did that. It's kind of weird, right? <laughs> or else it absorbs into the whole new system and it becomes whatever. I can't understand it all. Just because you can't understand a thing doesn't mean it's real. You just go to the gear of trust. I can't understand how the six days of creation work all together. I've studied it, studied it, studied it, studied it. It's amazing. I believe it though. But there's a ton of things I don't understand. I don't understand how the universe doesn't end. It just goes on. And on. And my my brain starts to break up. Because I can't conceive of that. Eternity, when does it end? It never ends. Just keeps going. When, when, did, when did God start? No start. Oh. Not enough RAM up here, right? Breaking up in here, Scotty. Beam us up, you know. It's like, I can't, can't comprehend some stuff, but that doesn't mean it's not real. It's just I've got a brain fitted out for this life. And probably if I could comprehend that, it would render me insane. Because I'm in a time-bound, space-bound life here. And I'm fitted for that. But you and I are destined for this amazing eternal life with a resurrected body they can eat barramundi. It's awesome, people. Hey, Amen. And there's this huge celestial city, unbelievable golden spires and huge rooms and enormous, bigger than any city on earth right now, bigger than New York, bigger than Tokyo, just this huge city that's going to be inhabited by millions of people, golden and glowing. The whole light of the place is lit up by the a lamb. Nobody can get in there unless you've been washed through the blood of Jesus. Nothing unclean can get into that place. It is a pure and holy place. It's God's dwelling place in the universe and you and I have got the opportunity here on earth to take people in there. And that's why we must, must groan in our spirit to reach this generation so lost so confused. But if they could just just feel God, feel the Holy Spirit, and experience that incredible regenerating power and be born again, then it all changes. Everything changes in that moment. I never knew there was a God until I met Him. And you and I, we're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. So the Holy Spirit is here in this, in this age right now. And He is the one that you and I can walk with and commune with. Now I want to think that you will go away from this place tonight with a hunger for the Holy Spirit. John seven thirty seven, Jesus says, Out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. But this He spoke of the Spirit, which they had not yet received. And then He says, Whoever is hungry and thirsty will be filled. I mean, you can be hungry for a house. You can be thirsty for a new job. You can be hungry to get that boat to go out fishing. You would be hungry to go out and get the fish that you bought the boat for. You would be hungry for a marriage, for a wife. Some of you, you hunger for all kinds of things. If you have a hunger, a thirst in you, above all others, for the Holy Spirit, He will come. He will not come to a casual heart. If you, are oh, well, when he's ready, he can come and fill me. It ain't going to happen. If you say, yeah, well, it's up to him, isn't it? No. It's up to you. What's your thirst level like? What are you really thirsty for? People have died for stupid things. I read the story of a guy who was shooting rabbits and he saw one across a river that was in flood. He shot the rabbit, boom, waded across, got the rabbit, stuck it in his pocket, wading back across the river, got swept away and died. Died for a rabbit. How many times have you had a mosquito in your car and, you, and you're going like this? And it's over there. I mean, it's such an exercise in intimidation, isn't it? Something that small can keep you that distracted. And you go, yeah, and boom, you're over the other side of the road, for goodness sake. You're going to die for a mosquito? If I asked you tonight, what would you die for? What would you run through that wall for? How important is God and the Holy Spirit to you? Because if you're hungry and you're thirsty for Him, for some of us, it's kind of dull. Our appetite for God is not really that high. We're just a bit full of everything else. When we lose our appetite for God, that's that's alarm bells. If I'm not really got that first love like I used to have about coming to church, being in the presence of the Lord, I need revival. I need a reawakening. I need to go to the Australian conference in three weeks' time in Brisbane. I need to actually put myself in a place where I'm going to soak in the presence of God because this is what I've found, that the more you drink of the Holy Spirit, the more you want. He doesn't satisfy you. He increases your dissatisfaction. I've found that as I read the Bible just for five minutes, I want to read it for 10. As I read it for 10, I want to study it for an hour. Then I just want to be there, devouring, and it comes alive. When I pray for a little bit, I look at my watch. and Oh no, I've only got another five minutes to go. If I'm really connecting with God. Because you start to get an appetite for more of God when you connect with Him. It's not the opposite. It's like, Oh yeah, I spent my five minutes. Oh, that's good. Yeah, out of there. No, you actually have a deeper hunger. Okay, so... Quickly, I'm going to go to this next point, and then we're, we're drawn to a close. Honestly, the pain is almost over. It's, it's, I just feel this in my spirit tonight. And I know you might have thought, oh, I'm going to go along and get my arthritis healed tonight. Well, it may happen. But what I'm talking about is kind of more important. And if you can actually let this happen to you, what I'm talking about, you will find as you walk in the power of the Spirit, your arthritis might just take a hike anyway. Just to overflow it out of your system. So, 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 so. Jesus says a little a little later on, when he comes, Luke 3.16, he will baptize you with the oh, I love the Bible. Don't you love this? He will baptize. Oh, he will baptize. Luke 3:16. Luke 3, 16. (laughs) Whoa. Just the last bit. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Okay, this is the job of Jesus. John, John the Baptist talking about him. So when he comes, he's going to baptize you. Now, this is kind of important. I'm going, to, I'm going to digress here for a little bit about a piece of information that you might think is completely irrelevant, but it's actually not. Anyway, bear with me. Humor me. Amen. It goes like this. When they translated the Bible, the guy's name was King James. Very egocentric, wanted his own Bible. I want the King James Version, thank you. So he had all these translators, 70 elders. They all started bishops, and they all started translating. And they realized when they came to this word, baptize, that in the Latin, because they are baptizing, they were translating from the Latin version, the Vulgate version. Now they've got, they're going like, ooh, problem, people. The word baptism means immerse. It means soak. And our king, King Jim, he's only been sprinkled. What do we do? We can't say "emurse" because then we've got the head of the church who has not been baptized. He's only been sprinkled, and we, our relationship with him is not great. I want to keep my head on my shoulders. This, I, this king was brutal, so, 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 so they they decide let's let's just anglicize the word. Not if, nobody will know. So they just took "bapto" and made it "baptize." It's a Latin word. Do we not? Kn- we got no idea. We think it's sprinkling, but it's not. And it's important that I took you through that little piece of kind of marginal information because the, holy, the power is not going to come on you and the fire is not going to fill you if you're just sprinkled with a bit of the Holy Spirit at church every now and then. He's going to immerse you, baptize you, put you under, drown you, soak you. In the Holy Spirit, you can't be a follower of Jesus with this sprinkling of Jesus, the sprinkling of Christianity. That's not this kind of thing. This is an immersive lifestyle. So when you're immersed in the oil of the Holy Spirit and He puts you on fire, you are a burning light in this world. So the, the last question I got for you, I asked you one question, what would you run through the wall for? What would you die for? And it's an important one. I want you to take it home and think about it. Because it establishes what's priority in your world. Okay, the second one is, what are you on fire about? Because if He, if when I come into, into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, a fire is going to come inside of me. What am I on fire about? Am I on fire about my house, my new boat, fishing, golfing? Or am I on fire about building this church? Am I on fire about serving God in this very short little brief life I've got? Doing something meaningful? Am I on fire about rabbit shooting and catching one on the other side of the bank? Dying for that? Is that because what you'll die for is generally what you're on fire about. Am I on fire to plant a church? And you might think, oh, that's for the brave. That's for, that's for big guys. That's for spiritual guys. It's for you. It's for anybody. If I can plant a church, anybody can. I was never a leader in my school. I hear these stories of people say, oh yeah, I led the diving team and then the cricket team and then the AFL team and I got ducks and that and now I'm leading a church. I think, well, bully for you. Because <laughs> I never led a thing. I couldn't lead a silent prayer meeting. People, I, <laughs> I was say. I was, not, I was a scatterbrained, pot-smoking, hippie artist. I would have ended up in a nib bin and died five years ago. <laughs> mushroom poisoning or something. There would be... Yeah, you ate the wrong mushroom, <laughs> Harry. <yeah. laughs> but Jesus saved me, and him in your life makes... All the difference, people. All the difference. You getting baptized in the Holy Spirit makes all the difference. What are you baptized in? Oh, God. How about those miserable Christians you meet? The unfun ones. The anti-fun ones. They got baptized in lemon juice. They are sour, baby. Oh, Oh, yes, uh, following Jesus is such a uh, serious issue. Stop it. Get joyful. Oh, that lightweight, happy, clappy Pentecostal place. Oh, they're a mile wide and an inch deep. you hypocrite. Amen. There are more people getting saved in Pentecostal churches than any others. That's why they're under attack. You want to have respectable religion? Don't be in this church, people. There are going to be criticisms and attacks because it has the power of the Holy Ghost on it. It has the anointing of the Spirit of God on it. And I'm preaching to you. You get ready. For pushback as a Christian in the coming years. And if you are not baptized in the Holy Spirit, you won't have the spine of Jesus on the inside of you. And it is more important these days that we are on fire about building His church more than we ever have because the resilience, and people talk about all kinds of things. You got to be resolved, you got to have resilience. I'm telling you, if you are filled, With the power of the Holy Spirit, you'll be putting a but into every major circumstance, but you shall receive power. These disciples, they weren't relying on 21 courses about resilience and emotional strength or health. They simply got filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost and it lasted their entire lives with all kinds of persecution, all kinds of criticism, all kinds of rejection. Don't think it's going away, it's only going to intensify. And for you to be a full on baptized in the Spirit, committed Christian in this hour is more important than anywhere, any time else in the history of Australia. In Jesus' mighty name. Let's all stand, people. I've got 48 seconds left in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, we give you all the praise. Lift up your hands and speak in tongues. If you don't speak in tongues, start giving thanks to God. And maybe that gift will make itself present in your life. Jesus, we praise and we worship. Father, we magnify. Lord, we give you all the glory. We give you all the praise. Our Father, we give you all the honor. Lord, we give you all the majesty. And We will bless and praise and worship you. Lord, our God, you are worthy. Worthy of all the praise. Worthy of all the honor. New Testament church life. Baptized in the Holy Spirit. Signs and wonders. The presence of God manifesting disciples in those days the number of disciples grew and multiplied oh god i pray for every person here who's feeling that call to lay their lives afresh on your altar let me let me just say something to you right now very quickly in the Old Testament, Elijah rebuilt the altar of the Lord that was broken down. People hadn't been worshiping or committing or bringing offerings or sacrifices very much. So he rebuilt it. And then he made an offering on it, and fire came down on that altar from God. You couldn't, you couldn't go like, God, I, I offer you Harry the bull. Harry's over there in the third paddock and suddenly you see fire go and blow up Harry. Didn't work like that. You had to go down and get Harry, bring him down to the temple, stick him on the altar and then fire fell. Fire falls on what's on the altar. Not what's out in the field. Fire falls on what's on the altar. If you are here tonight and you're saying, "I, I want fresh fire. I want the power of the Holy Spirit. I want the presence of God in my life. I want you to come and stand down here on this altar, and I want you to start praying, speaking in tongues, crying out to God, saying, yes, Lord. We're seeking you. We're seeking you. We're seeking you.